Would you find the song sheet that's on your pew? I want to walk you through this. This is a song we're going to be singing this month. Y'all good enough? All right. I want to walk y'all through this. And I want to ask you to do this, by the way. If you would leave that behind when you go today, put it in the pew rack. When you go, we're going to be singing this in the month of June. But I want to walk you through this. Has everybody got a copy? We introduced this to the choir. Choir, y'all have a copy? We introduced this to the choir on Wednesday night. I'm sure a lot of them are wondering about it. And you're probably wondering about it as well. We're going to be singing this in the month of June. And it's a new song that's not new. Uh, It's new to us, but not perhaps uh, new, obviously. It was written by John Newton. John Newton uh, is most well known for writing what hymn? Amazing Grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. This is another song that you probably do not know. You might be wondering, where is this coming from, preacher? Why this song? Well, I heard this song recently and it ministered to my heart. I was uh, listening. Y'all know what Pandora is? Pandora, if you don't know what it is, it's a computer website you go to and you tell it what kind of music you like. And it just plays that type of music and introduced you a lot of newer music. And I was listening to one of the channels I have on there one day. And this song came on. And it ministered to my heart. But it's, I'm going to be honest with you. It's a hymn that's a little bit strange. In fact, I'm sure the choir was wondering why this song. Maybe you're going to wonder why this song. Well, I want to walk you through this song. And I want to explain to you why I chose this song to sing. And I'd like to introduce you to newer songs. Whether they're old songs that are new to us or newer. And we'll continue doing that. But this song is an unusual hymn because it really tells a story. I want to just walk you through a little bit of it. It says in verse one, I asked the Lord that I might grow in faith and love and every grace. So he wants to grow in his Christian life. Might more of his salvation know and seek more earnestly his face. What a wonderful prayer that I might grow in my Christian life. And in verse two, it says he taught me to pray like this. And I trust that he's answered my prayer. But it's been in such a way as almost drove me to despair. And then he goes on to talk in the song about the idea that he got down so low in his life that he really felt like the Lord was against him. It says, it says in verse four, instead of this, he made me feel the hidden evils of my heart and let the angry powers of hell assault my soul in every part. It says in verse five, yea, more with this, his own hand, he seemed intent to aggravate my woe, crossed all the fair designs I schemed, humbled my heart and laid me low. In other words, he felt like God was against him. And here's what's interesting. I talked with someone this past week who knows the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet in their own life, they said that they felt like God had forsaken them. And I did my best to encourage this individual to know that God has not forsaken you. But sometimes God works in our lives in ways that do not make sense to us. But it's how he gets us where we need to be. And that's what John Newton seems to be experiencing. Look at verse six. Lord, why is this? I trembling cry. You ever been there? You said, Lord, why wilt thou pursue thy worm to death? You know, see how low he's gotten here? Tis in this way, the Lord replied, I answered prayer for grace and faith. And then finally, John Newton gets it in verse 7. I'll read in a moment. Let me just say the background of this. John Newton worked with a man by the name of William uh, Cooper. He actually spelled his name C-O-W-P-E-R. And William Cooper was also a hymn writer. He wrote the hymn, God Moves in a Mysterious Way, His Wonders to Perform. Uh, but William Cooper, they're working on a hymn book called The All-New Hymns. 
And my understanding behind this hymn book is in the midst of that, William Cooper kind of lost his mind. And John Newton's there and William Cooper's kind of losing it a little bit. If I remember from church history, they were kind of neighbors even. But God worked all that out. And because they persevered, we have some of the wonderful hymns that we sing today. And in verse seven, it says this. These inward trials I employ from self and pride to set thee free and break thy schemes of earthly joy that thou mayest find thy all in me. In other words, God sometimes has to bring us very low in very challenging ways to make us totally depend upon him. So what we're going to do is we're going to sing this song. We'll sing it through the month of June. We're not going to necessarily sing all of it every time because, you know, back in the 1700s, they didn't mind a seven verse hymn. Okay, we're going to sing it. I'm going to try to do a little acapella on the first verse to kind of let you hear. I think you'll recognize the melody very quickly. We have yet to identify it. Did y'all ever figure it out either? We can we can't identify it, but you're going to recognize it a lot of you. And let me tell you this as you're singing through this. If you're not careful, you'll lose your place as you move from line to line. But if you'll notice, there are two, italic, two italicized lines. You'll kind of keep your reference point there. That will help you. I'm struggling with some junk, some sinus junk this morning. But let me see if I can sing the first verse a cappella. Then I'll have the ladies play an intro and we will sing I Ask the Lord. And I think you'll recognize the, the, um, the melody. I ask the Lord that I might grow in faith and love and every grace might more of His salvation know and seek more earnestly His face. Does that sound familiar to anybody? We don't know where it's from. Because you can also sing, We're the whole realm of nature mine, that we're a gift. Or anyway, but that's not what we're singing today. We're singing, I ask the Lord. So here's what I want us to do. We're going to stand up and learn it together. We're singing something the month of June. And I want you to think about the story. Even though it's one of the weirdest hymns, maybe, it's a story of how God works in our life. Not always the way we want. Not always according to our plan and desire. But he always brings it back, what? To him. That's why he does what he does. And listen, maybe you're here today and you feel like God has forsaken you or God is against you even as his child. He's not. He loves you with an everlasting love. And he's working to bring you to himself and to an end of yourself. Would you stand with me, ladies? You play an intro and we'll sing it.
come today to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. And now you know why that song. Why this song. Of all the songs, why? Now the issue is going to be, next time we sing it, somebody else will be near you that's not here today and say, why this song? And now you can tell them, why this song? Father, thank you for working in our lives. As Newton reminds us in that song, you often have to work in ways that we don't quite understand at the moment. In ways that we would not choose. In ways that we don't desire. But it's by working in those ways, you bring us to an end of ourself. And you place our dependence upon you. And we find our all in all in you. And so Lord, I pray that you would help us in those difficult days to trust in you. Lord, to realize that you're not against us, you're for us. And you desire to make us more like your son. The Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Father, I thank you that we can worship you today through our giving. We only have to give because you first given to us. You provided for us. You blessed us. Lord, thank you that we can be a blessing to others. May you take these monies received today and use them to bring the most honor and glory to yourself possible. We pray this in Jesus name and for his sake. Amen.
you so much. I hope that you can say that, that Jesus is all the world to you. First John chapter four this morning, moving that fourth chapter as we're studying through this little important book. First John chapter four. And as you're finding that, listen to the words of Dr. Lewis Talbot. He wrote one time, he said, the days in which you and I are living are days in which Christians need to know their Bibles. For the only way by which we may know whether or not a system of teaching is of God is by viewing the system by the lens of Holy Writ. Reading the system in the light of the Bible and not reading the Bible in the light of the system. And he's absolutely, totally right. We need to know our Bibles today. But the interesting thing is, beloved, as far as I can nail down, he wrote that way back in 1962. Now, if that's true in 1962, how much more do we need that counsel today in 2014? We're living in a day where we need to know our Bibles so we understand truth and error. Christians need to know their Bibles because false teaching is abounding in our day. And in our day, false teaching, it can go very rapidly because of technology. And those false teachings can spread like never before. We've got to realize we cannot... We cannot accept every person uh, who stands up and says, listen, I've got a message from God. We can't receive all this. We have to test the spirits. But don't take God's word, uh, my word for it. Listen to what God's word says about it. First John chapter four, verse one says very clearly here. Beloved, do not believe every spirit. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Whether they are of God, because many false prophets, it says, have gone out into the world. Many false prophets have gone out into the world. So this whole idea about false teaching is not new. False teachers have been around, I guess, since the Garden of Eden. I reckon we could say that Satan was the first false teacher. He's the father of false teaching and he's the inspiration of false teaching. And we must not be gullible Christians. Do you know anybody gullible? Don't answer any names out now, but someone is gullible. Whatever you tell them, they just swallow it. Oh, yeah, I believe that. We cannot be that way in our Christian life. We must not swallow every false teaching bait that swims in front of us. We've got to test the spirits, check them out, examine them. This is such a timely word. You know, we're just going through this study. What a timely word for our high school graduates today. You're stepping out into a world filled with false teachers. Sad to say there are college professors in our world who would love nothing more than to destroy your faith in Jesus Christ. To belittle your faith and to make you doubt your faith. You've got to test the spirits. But it's not just for graduates. It's not just for high school students and college students. Every believer is supposed to test the spirits. All of us at some point or another, we're going to be exposed to false teaching. I mean, unless you move out to a cave somewhere, and even then, I'm sure Satan will make sure a piece of trash would blow up in your cave with some false teaching on it. Worldly philosophies, false religions, popular mantras, all vie for our attention and our allegiance. And God says, listen, don't believe everybody. Test the spirits. But here's the question. Preacher, how do we do that? How do we discern the difference between truth and error? Well, let's look at this passage before us this morning. And it will help us to know how to test the Spirit. So let's go back there. We'll read verse 1 again. And read down through verse 6. And listen to what God's Word says here. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, 
But test the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come to the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard was coming and is now already in the world. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world. The world hears them. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, when it comes to discerning the difference between the spirit of truth and the spirit of error, there are three main things we need to note from this passage. When testing the spirits to see is this something from the Holy Spirit of God or is this something from a demonic spirit? Demonically inspired, satanically inspired. How do we do that? Well, very first thing you need to do is this. Find out what they believe about Jesus Christ. Find out what they believe about Jesus Christ. Verses 2 and 3 talk about that. This is a key when examining where a teacher stands and whether or not that teacher or preacher is preaching and teaching the truth. Look at verse 2 again. By this you know the Spirit of God. By what? Well, what he's about to say. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. It's true. But then it says in verse 3, And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is not of God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you've heard was coming and is now already in the world. Now, obviously, these original recipients of the letter that John's writing to, they were dealing with false teachers who were denying the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Incarnation is just a big word that says that Jesus, who is God, became man without ceasing to be God. It simply means that God stepped into flesh. Jesus came, he was born of the virgin, and he took upon himself flesh. Perfect God, perfect man joined in the flesh. Now you might be thinking, well, preacher, what's the big deal? I mean, isn't it enough just to believe in Jesus? Isn't it enough just to, to, to really think, well, he's a great person, whether he's man or not, but he, you know, he's God, and so I trust him. Is it really that important that he is the perfect God-man? Yes! A thousand times, yes. You see, if the incarnation is not true, if it's not true that Jesus is perfect God and perfect man of the flesh, then Christianity fails from the beginning. Let me tell you why. To deny the incarnation, to deny that Jesus, who is God, became flesh and became man without ceasing to be God, to deny that is to deny the virgin birth. Because he'd just be another baby boy. And as a man, then he himself would be a sinner. So it denies the virgin birth. It also denies the substitutionary atonement. That that because if he's just a baby boy, just a regular old person, then he's a sinner too. And he can't die in my place because he's got his own sin to deal with. And if you deny the incarnation, you not only deny the virgin birth and the substitutionary atonement, you also deny the resurrection. Because if he's just a regular old man who's a great teacher and a great prophet and all these things, but if he's not God in the flesh... Then he's still in the grave and he's rotted away in all reality. You see, the incarnation is so crucial and vital. If Jesus is anything less than the perfect God, man, God in the flesh, then he cannot be our savior. 
Get it nailed down, beloved. Now, in Walter Martin's book, The Kingdom of the Cults, he has a chapter in that book, I think it's chapter 17, called The Jesus of the Cults. And he talks about what these cults believe about Jesus. Let me just give you one here. The Jehovah's Witnesses. You probably had dealings with the Jehovah's Witnesses. Right? Let me tell you, he takes this from the writing. According to the theology of the Watchtower, the true scriptures, this is in their quote now, the true scriptures speak of God's Son, the Word, as a God, little g. He is a mighty God, but not the Almighty God who is Jehovah. In other words, he was the first and direct creation of Jehovah God. And do you have any problem with that? He was the first and direct creation of God. That is, he's not God in their minds. Beloved, if he's not God, he cannot be our savior. They deny the deity, the, the incarnation, if you will, or the, the deity of Jesus Christ. He's not God. He's a creation of God, but he's not God. Now, that's a blatant example. That's a blatant example of denying the biblical Jesus. But there are many, many other subtle denials of Jesus. What about the Jesus of the prosperity gospel? That, that abounds in our day. In other words, this Jesus that they preach is simply a means to make you happy, healthy, and wealthy. And if you follow Jesus, you'll have beautiful suits of clothes and dresses. You'll have mansions. You'll have Cadillacs. You'll have perfect health, pearly white teeth, a full head of hair. You'll just be gorgeous if you'll just follow this Jesus. The prosperity gospel. I don't find that in Scripture. Listen, beloved. Any teaching that does not line up with this book that does not in agreement with this book, is false teaching. Whether someone's denying the birth of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, the return of Jesus. What about this? What about those who deny the miracles of Jesus? We see that in churches abounding. Well, he really didn't turn the, the water into wine. He really didn't walk on the water. It, it, just, he was, it looked like he was walking on the water. Well, you know, he really didn't. To deny the Lord Jesus is false teaching. You see, God, the Holy Spirit, inspired this book. He used human authors. He used their personalities, used their vocabularies, used their education. But he so inspired them that the Bible is God breathed. And those who are led by him, the Holy Spirit of God, they're not going to be teaching things that go against this book. They're not going to be teaching things that do not agree with this book, which is a good time to move on to that second thing we do when we're testing the spirits. And that's this, depend upon the leading of the Holy Spirit. Depend upon the leading of the Holy Spirit. We see it in verse 4. Verse 4 says very clearly, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. Now, who is it that's in us? Well, obviously, he's talking about the Holy Spirit of God who indwells every believer according to God's word. You see, our victory in these matters is not left to our own genius and and our own mental powers. We overcome through the power of the one who dwells in us, the Holy Spirit of God. We're not in this battle alone. We're not left to our own resources. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The Holy Spirit of God who indwells us as believers leads us into truth. 
And he testifies to and he glorifies Jesus Christ. Would you listen to what the gospel of John says? John 15, 26. Jesus is speaking about the Holy Spirit. But when the helper comes, that's another name for the Holy Spirit. When the helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father, he will testify of me. The Holy Spirit of God testifies to, points people to, exalts the son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He said in John 16, 13 to 15, Jesus said, however, when he, the spirit of truth, don't you love that? The spirit of truth, we're talking about the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. When he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me. See, the Holy Spirit glorifies the Lord Jesus. He will glorify me. We will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. Listen, any teaching that does not glorify the Lord Jesus Christ is not from the Holy Spirit of God. Nail that down. Because the Spirit of God will glorify the Son of God and will testify to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now listen, we've got to be careful today. There are many today who want to be led more by experience, more by their feelings than the very Word of God. I get real concerned when people, Christian people, get more excited over a book. Maybe somebody said, well, I died and went to heaven and I came back. And I think somebody else died and went to hell and came back. And I died and went here and came back. And people get, oh, I'm so excited about this. Oh, excited about this. Read this preacher. Listen, I get real concerned if you get more excited about that than you do your Bible. Because this is the final authority for faith to practice. This is the authoritative, inspired, and errant word of God. Now, whether they went to heaven or hell, I don't know. They came back, but they wrote a book. That's all I know. They wrote a book. Nelson Plains. But this is the final authority of the word of God in faith and practice. We've got to depend upon the Holy Spirit's leading. But remember this. The Holy Spirit of God always leads according to the word of God. It's always in agreement with the word of God. You can't come to me and say, listen, now God's told me to do this. And it goes contrary to this. That's not the Holy Spirit of God leading you. Might be another spirit leading you, but not the Holy Spirit. Test the spirits, it says. Find out if someone's being led by the Holy Spirit of God or by a demonic spirit. So we know, first of all, that if we're going to be testing the spirits from what we're learning here, find out what they teach and believe about the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, depend upon the leading of the Holy Spirit and His guidance in your life. And then third, I want you to hear this now. Remember this. Remember that popularity and big crowds are not a sign of true Biblical teaching. Now, I want to be fair. There are some true teachers and preachers who have large crowds. And there are some that have large crowds that are very popular in those crowds. But not every teacher or preacher who has a large gathering or a large following is teaching the truth. And we're going to show you this in a moment, verses 5 and 6. But if their message is accepted by the world... Those who don't know Jesus Christ, if they accept the message, if it's lauded by the world and they just get all excited about it, it's probably not in line with the word. Look at what it says in verses five and six. They are of the world. Therefore, they speak as of the world and the world hears them. 
They don't know the Lord. They're of the world. They talk about the world. The world likes what they're hearing. They're accepted by the world. They're celebrated by the world. They're followed by the world. He says this, verse 6, we are of God. Only by the grace of God, mind you, don't get a big head. We are of God. He who knows God hears us. John is an apostle speaking here. If you know God, you're hearing the inspired word of God. He who is not of God does not hear us. By this, we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Now, I want to do something I don't do very often here. If you're a guest here, you can ask other members here. I'm going to name a few names this morning about some very popular teachers and preachers. And I'm going to give you what they have to say. And I'm going to make some people mad, probably. That's not my intention this morning. But one of my jobs as a shepherd of this flock is to protect the flock. And so I'm going to name some names this morning. I'm going to give you what they teach and what they say. We'll start this morning with T.D. Jakes. Y'all know T.D.? I mean, I like, I like, he's a very entertaining speaker. Uh, gets them all riled up. T.D. Jakes has been on Oprah's channel a lot. That raises my eyebrow right there if you're on Oprah a lot. But anyway, I want you to hear it. T.D.'s brought out a new book called Instinct. Listen to this article about instinct. I found this article in more than one place. Legitimate article. Although the Bible calls animals irrational in Jude 1.10 and 2 Peter 2.12. And condemns those who operate by their instincts. Bishop T.D. Jakes is gearing up to release a book. He's already released it. uh, That instructs others to better live according to what he calls their divinely inspired instincts. His book titled Instinct, The Power to Unleash Your Inborn Drive, according to the 56-year-old mega pastor, was inspired by his trip to an African safari and is not deeply rooted in scripture. Here is a quote from T.D. Jakes. I have to be honest, if you're thinking about getting the book, I have to confess, the book is not really saturated with scripture, end quote. Jakes told his congregation during a Sunday morning sermon at the Potter's House in Dallas, Texas, on February 3rd. And I give kudos to him, he was honest about it. It's not, not rooted in scripture, not really saturated with scripture. But listen to what he says next, and I quote, And the reason I spent more time focusing on real life evaluations... And using animals as metaphors is because animals are better at being instinctive than we are. And I did it like that because sometimes church people, we do church better than we do life, end quote. The author of this article says, in Jake's esteemed opinion, excellent teachers, uh, animals are excellent teachers when it comes to navigating the world on an instinctive level. But this author says in scripture, however, believers are told, To be led only by the Spirit of God, not instincts, human understanding, or knee-jerk reactions. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. During his lecture-style sermon, Jakes intertwined motivational principles from Scripture, self-help philosophies, and nature. The New York Times best-selling author who has reached millions through multiple books believes every human being has an innate desire to be fruitful. In in instinct, he touches on topics like knowing when to close a deal, when to take a risk, when to listen to your heart in order to succeed in life. Can I just interject here? The Bible says the heart is deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? He says, Jake's continued on Sunday, quote, sometimes we OD on spirituality to cover for the fact that we do, we're not naturally fulfilled. But God doesn't want to be a supplement in your life. He doesn't want to be a cover or a mask for all the things that are not happening in your life. And I want to drill down some things that I think are very, very important, end quote. Can I summarize what's just been said there? 
What he's really saying is this. The Bible is not sufficient. God, the Holy Spirit is not sufficient. Jesus is not enough. What you really need to do is go out and watch the giraffes and some other animals and watch their instincts and be like them. That's what he's saying. I'm going to go a little deeper. I'm really going to make somebody mad here. Joyce Meyer. (gasps) He's not going to talk about Joyce Meyer. Speaking of the cross, and I quote, and I heard it in my own ears. Joyce Meyer said he could have helped himself up until the point where he said, I commend my spirit into your hands. At that point, he couldn't do nothing for himself anymore. He had become sin. He was no longer the son of God. He was sin, end quote. Now, beloved, if Jesus was no longer the son of God, who was he? If he was no longer the son of God, we're in trouble. He was God, the son, giving his life for us. He died and he rose victorious forever for us. That's an issue, isn't it? That's not just a little, you know, she's had a slip of the tongue there. He was no longer the son of God. Now I'm really going to make some man. What about smiling Joel Osteen? Now listen, you say, well, preacher, I can't believe you're naming names. Test the spirits, it says. In a 60 Minutes interview, I watched the interview. They're talking about whatever book it was he was writing. Here's what the 60 Minutes interviewer said to Joel Osteen. In your new book, you write that to become a better you, you must be positive toward yourself, develop better relationships, embrace the place where you are. And here's what the interviewer said to Joel Osteen. Not one mention of God in that. Not one mention of Jesus Christ in that. Here's what Joel said. That's just my message. There is scripture that backs it all up, but I feel like, Byron, I'm called to help people. How do we walk out the Christian life? How do we live it? And these are the principles that can help you. I mean, there's a lot better people qualified to say, here's a book that's going to explain the scriptures to you. I don't think that's my gifting. Joe, you're a pastor, for goodness sake. And you don't use the Bible? That's not your gifting? In the same interview... Reverend Michael Horton, professor of theology at Westminster Seminary in Escondido, California, said this about Joel's teaching. I think it's a cotton candy gospel. His core message is God is nice. You're nice. Be nice. That's his message. He said Horton says laughing. I don't think it's funny. It's sort of a if it were a form of music, I think it would be easy listening. He uses the Bible like a fortune cookie. This is what's going to happen to you. There's going to be a windfall in your life tomorrow. The Bible's not to be meant to be read in that way, he says. And so I watch, and I've watched him before. And this is my Bible. I used to watch his daddy when Joel was behind the camera growing up. I've been weird for a long time, y'all. I used to watch the TV preachers a long time ago. <laughs> this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. I'm doing all things. I'm going to read one verse and put it aside and never touch it again. But hey, we got our Bibles with us. You say, well, preacher, you're mean. No, I'm telling you the truth. The Bible says, test the spirits. Don't swallow everything that's given out. Test the spirits. And remember that popularity and big crowds are not a sign of true biblical teaching and preaching. 
Don't be spiritually gullible. And that's just a handful of people out there today that are out there with their uh, false teaching. Don't swallow everything that comes down the line. Don't agree with something just because it sounds nice, just because it picks you up. Now listen, you can listen to Joel and you'll feel a lot better about yourself. And it'll be a good boost and pick you up for yourself. But make sure you test the spirits. Make sure that he's teaching you the word of God. Now listen, I've made a bunch of people mad. Just do this. Find out what a person believes about the Lord Jesus Christ. Depend upon the leading of God's Holy Spirit. Remember that popularity and a big crowd is not necessarily a sign that they're teaching the truth of the word of God. Listen, don't be mad at me today because I want you to read you again one more time what the Bible says. God says to you, Christian, in chapter four, verse one, beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, whether they are of God, because many False prophets have gone out into the world. Let's test the spirits. Father, with your help, I've done my best to expound these six verses today. And Lord, I have warned and named names and told people and quoted from these teachers. And there are many like them in our world. And they're very appealing in their message. And they're very appealing in what they have to say. But Lord, I pray that you would help us to be discerning. And who we listen to. And who we allow into our lives. Lord, that these words that we hear have power in our minds. And they get in there and they can lead us astray. Lord, I pray that you would work in the lives of false teachers in our land. And bring them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to be discerning. Help us, Lord, to walk according to your spirit's guidance and leadership in our lives. I pray today, Lord, if someone's here who's never met the Lord Jesus, this will be the day where they place their faith in him. Thank you for this time and for this word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Number 52 is our closing hymn. He leadeth me, O blessed thought. And as we stand today, the altar is open. If you would like to come and pray, we would invite you to do so. Number 52, he leadeth me. Would you come and pray today as God leads you? Let's stand together and sing 52.